can we center ourselves around this little refrain that comes from Psalm 91. With long life, you will satisfy me, satisfy me. With long life, you will satisfy me, satisfy today is Deuteronomy 26 verses 1 through 11. When you have entered the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in the office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to your ancestors to give us. The priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Then you shall declare before the Lord our God, my father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, and the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery toil and oppression with long life you satisfy me satisfy So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, with great terror and with signs and wonders. He brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners re residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you in your household. The word of the Lord. With long life. With long life, you satisfy me, satisfy. Satisfy me, satisfy. 
Good morning, Mars Hill. The Lord be with you. If we haven't had the opportunity to meet, my name is Kyle Lake. I serve as one of the pastors here, serve our high school ministry and our family life team, and it is good to be together. Let's begin in prayer. O Lord, our God, your word is a lamp to our feet and a light upon our path. May your word this morning illuminate for us a new way forward for our lives and our world. May all glory be to you, God our Father, and Son and Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, so it shall be now and forevermore. Amen. Well, as Tim mentioned, we find ourselves here on the first Sunday of Lent. And uh, we're coming out of a series, Things We Would Like to Say, Things We've Wanted to Say. And we're stepping into a new series, which is simply titled Lent. Uh, and we will be engaging a, a variety of texts that Christians around the world are going to be journeying through this season. Uh, a group of texts that are called the lectionary, a signed text for each Sunday morning in Lent. And so as I set out to prepare for this week, I looked at what the texts were and what, to my delight, one from the book of Deuteronomy. Yes! Old Testament text here. And so in some ways, we are continuing our series, Things We've Wanted to Say This Morning, because this text is perhaps one of the things that I've wanted to say. And so here in this first Sunday of Lent, uh, we are reminded of a few things about this season. That in the season of Lent, we are, in the words of Bob Weber, called back. We are called back. Here in the season of Lent, uh, we take care of the things that have been sort of nagging at us poking at us, prodding at us, things that maybe uh, we acknowledge haven't been going so great in our life and our formation and our discipleship, things that perhaps we've tried to fix haphazardly, but it hasn't worked out so well, and we name that we need something outside of ourselves. Someone outside of ourselves to come and to intervene. And we remember that uh, this season begins with Ash Wednesday, a day that reminds us that from dust we came and to dust we shall return, from ashes we came and to ashes we shall return, that we have very little control over our lives. That Lent in some ways disrupts this facade that we have built, that we believe we can control what happens around us, and brings us to a place of receiving the gift that is this very moment, this very breath, 
this very life that we get to participate in, that everything is a gift. And here in this story, we can hear that the Israelites stand at the threshold of the promised land. Stand at the threshold of a new home, of a place they can settle into after wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Standing at the threshold of a new life after years and years and years of toil and misery and oppression in the land of Egypt. That as much as they tried or maybe as much as they would have liked to, they were powerless against this force and they needed something outside of themselves. They needed someone outside of themselves to intervene and act decisively and change their situation. And so this Lenten theme would be perhaps familiar to them. And so the story goes, when you have entered the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance and have taken possession of it and settled in it, take some of the first fruits of all that you produce from the soil of the land that the Lord your God is giving you and put them in a basket. Then go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name and say to the priest in the office at the time, I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the, land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. Then the priest shall take the basket from your hands and set it down in front of the altar of the Lord your God. Here early on in this story, we can hear a theme beginning to emerge. This land that the Lord your God is going to give to you, to bring you into it, this inheritance that you will receive. These words, this theme is repeated again and again in these first few verses. And any time in the Old Testament, we come to a passage and we hear the same word, the same theme, the same idea being repeated. This is the biblical author's way of sort of putting things in bold of emphasizing, saying, hey, pay attention. Something important is being said here. That this land, this home that you are about to enter into is not earned. It's not because of anything you have done. It's not based on your merit, but it is a gift. That the Lord your God is giving this to you. That God is good and that God gives good gifts and God is gracious and loving. And we hear that the people are to enter into this land and settle into it. No more wilderness wanderings. No more setting up tents and taking them down. And for any of you who have tried to go camping with young children, you say, hallelujah. <laughs> but they're entering into a land that they will settle 
that they will cultivate the ground. They will plant fields and trees and vineyards. And then, only then, after years of waiting to reap a harvest, they are to gather some of that and bring it before the Lord in an act of worship and thanksgiving. And it's in this moment of bringing this gift that they are to speak these words. I declare today to the Lord your God that I have come to the land the Lord swore to our ancestors to give us. I declare today. Declare, this, this word in Hebrew is the word nagid. And it carries this underlying meaning of announcing something, of responding to a question, of bearing witness to something, of testifying, of pointing to something beyond itself. That, that these gifts here point beyond themselves towards something bigger, a bigger story that's happening, a bigger picture that they have entered into this land that God has given them. And now they respond with this act of thanksgiving because of what God has promised to them. And in some ways... Our little Lenten practices, our practices of sacrifice, of fasting, of generosity, of prayer, of repentance, point beyond themselves in a similar way to a bigger story point beyond themselves towards God's generosity and love. Just as the Israelites were only able to bring these gifts, these offerings before God because God was generous, because God had given them this land, so too are we able to respond with our own little practices because God has been generous and gracious to us. They point beyond themselves. Earlier this week on Ash Wednesday, when I went to go pick my children up from daycare, uh, my daughter saw me down the hall and noticed the cross of ashes that was on my forehead. And she shouts down the hallway for the entire daycare to hear, what is on your head? Did you get a tattoo? <laughs> Which I was thinking, that would be a very interesting tattoo. And this served as, a, as an opportunity to say, no, 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 honey. This, this sign points to a bigger story. It points beyond itself towards God's gracious love and decisive intervention in the history of the world. And she listened for about a minute before she wanted to tell me all about her day. But I can imagine 
for this Israelite farmer. The whole family would be coming, getting to hear this story once again of God's goodness and faithfulness, how they had received a physical home, that they were no longer wanderers, but that they were at home in the land. That in some ways, these gifts were tangible, physical reminders that they were home. What are the tangible reminders that remind you that you are home? Maybe it's seen Uh, the skyscape of the city of Grand Rapids on the horizon as you come from uh, uh, northbound 131, down the 131 interchange, and you can see it on the horizon. Maybe for you, it's the greeting of a, a beloved person or a pet when you come in the door. Maybe for you, it's the smell of celery and onion as you head down Chicago Drive in Hudsonville. (laughs) Or the sweet, sweet smell of the Heinz Pickle Factory in Holland, if you're me. What is the tangible reminder that you are home? But what about for us? For we are not the Israelites, big surprise. And we are not in a land that God has given us. God has not brought us into this land and given us this land as our inheritance. What about us? Where is our physical home? Well, perhaps one way we can look at this is to see the story of God's redemption in our own lives, where God has acted decisively on our behalf and has acted in such a way that God has given us a physical space that is our own. And that physical space is the church. God has given us the church, Christ's body, which is gathered and sent physically. The church does not exist apart from its physical reality, its physical existence. And so just as the Israelites were brought into the land that God was giving them through this decisive act, so God brings us into the church through a decisive act as well. Jesus' death and resurrection. And just as the people acknowledge that through bringing this gift before the Lord, so too we acknowledge through another physical gift, the gift of baptism, which reminds us we are home. And so just as much as God had given the Israelites a physical home, 
a land that they could dwell in and settle in, God gives them a spiritual home as well. A story that they can live in, a story that they can take their shoes off in and recline on the couch in. A story that they can feel comfortable in. The text goes on to tell us, then you shall declare, there it is again, Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there and became a great nation, powerful and numerous. But the Egyptians ill-treated us and made us suffer, subjecting us to harsh labor. Then we cried out to the Lord, the God of our ancestors. And the Lord heard our voice and saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. With great terror and with signs of wonder, he brought us to this place and gave us this land, a land flowing with milk, and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. The Israelites were a wandering people. Their spiritual story is one of wandering through the land, wandering from the land of Canaan down into Egypt. A land and a story that was good. They were able to grow in that land, to have influence and power and authority in that land until they couldn't. It was a good story until it no longer wasn't. But God gives them a different story. No longer are they slaves. No longer are they suffering under the hand of Pharaoh, but they now have a different story, that God has freed them, that God has loved them and set God's affection on them. God has liberated and brought them out, and now they get to live in that story, a people loved and chosen by God. And yet the great temptation for the people of Israel throughout the Old Testament is to wander away from this story, to wander away from their true home in God's love and care. And aren't we more like the Israelites than we would care to admit sometimes? that we all wander away from our true home, wander through these long times of, of being away from our true home in God. As we sung earlier, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. How many of us have wandered into a story that was good for a period of time 
until it no longer wasn't. A story that promised us a land flowing with milk and honey, but yielded a crop of oppression and toil and misery. How many of us have wandered away from our true home? Jesus, too, was tempted to wander away from his true home. One of the texts that Christians around the world are engaging today, one of the traditional texts for the first Sunday of Lent, is the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus, too, was tempted to wander away from these stories, to wander towards a story where he would have influence or power or popularity, as the writer Henry Nouwen describes it, to turn stones into bread, to do something spectacular, to gain influence with the people to go to the tallest point of the temple and throw himself off only to be caught right before he hit the ground, to gain a sort of popularity for doing amazing things, to rule over all the kingdoms of the world if he would just bow down, to have power, to wander away from the story that he was a part of, But in each of these moments, Jesus responds by pointing back to the story. Pointing back to the bigger picture of God's generosity and God's love and God's gift to the people and to him. And so this morning whether you find yourself at home or you come in finding yourself wandering through all sorts of different lands and stories, whether the land of self-righteousness or greed, the land of climbing the corporate ladder or the land of apathy, the land of bitterness and resentment or the land of addiction, the land of whatever it may be, there is a better story to live. There is a better place to make your home. Lent begins with this promise that because of God's love, we no longer have to be hopeless wanderers because God has set God's affection and love on you. Because Lent as a season only exists on this side of the resurrection only exists because God has intervened in the life, in death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We can look back at the story of the shepherd who lost one sheep, but abandoned the 99 to go and find the one. 
We can look back at the story of the woman sweeping the floor of her house, stooping down on her hands and knees, looking for the one coin of the father peering out into the distance, straining his eyes, looking for his lost child to come home. To see these are the great stories of Lent. They point beyond themselves. It's only because God has pursued us because God has chased after us. Because in the words of John, God has loved us first that we love. Only in light of that good and generous gift are we then invited to turn from our wandering ways, to turn from the stories that we wander through and to come home. And so if there is one thing that I would like to say, it's this. Come home. Come home. Come home. Come home. Make your home in God. Jesus shows us the way and invites us to come and rest in him. One of my Lenten practices this year is to make uh, my daily commute from Holland to Granville here uh, in silence. No radio, no podcast, no noise filling the atmosphere is a way of trying to allow a little bit of margin, a little bit of space, a little bit of breathing room where I can come home, where I can rest in God's love for me, that whatever is about to meet me in my day to come or whatever I am coming out of, the truth of the matter is that God invites me to come home to rest in God's love. But the story does not end there. It ends with, it's saying, then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall rejoice in all the good things the Lord your God has given to you and your household. It ends with a celebration, not just for the one who brought the gifts, not just for their family, not for their neighbors, but for all people, for the foreigners and the wanderers in the midst. There is this celebration, this welcoming, this saying, you are a part of this. Receive this good gift because we have received it as well. Over the last few days, I've, I've been really moved by these scenes 
of the central station in Berlin, where volunteers and and citizens have shown up at the train station to welcome the refugees, welcome the Ukrainians fleeing from their war-torn country with signs saying, I can take two people I can take four people. I can take a family. I've got room here. I'm headed here. Come. Come you who are fleeing. Come you who are running away. Come you who are wandering. And I will give you a home. Is this not a picture of the church? Is this not the message that we proclaim at the crossroads of the world? Declaring, announcing, proclaiming, bearing witness, pointing towards a bigger story than ourselves, saying, all you who wander, come. All you who are in misery, and have been toiling, and have been sitting under a hand of oppression, come. All you who feel like you've been sitting under the burning judgment of your own life experience and what the world has to offer, come. All you who are hungry and thirsty, come. For this table here, this is our physical home, and it is our spiritual home. It's the place where Christ's body, the church, gathers and it reminds us of this bigger story that we are a part of. It calls us home. I remember as a kid in the summer during those long days playing outside with my neighborhood friends. And it would get to a point where it was dinner time. And my parents would shout out from the front door, time to come home, dinner's ready. Well, friends, time to come home, dinner is ready. And so I say to you, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. And so we pray. Holy and right it is. And a good and joyful thing to give thanks to you at all times and in all places. O Lord our God, almighty and everlasting creator. For we praise you, joining our voices with the angels and the archangels and with all the heavenly hosts, whoever sing this glorious hymn of your name. Holy, holy, holy 
God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And so send your Holy Spirit, we pray, that the bread that we break and the cup that we bless would be to us the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. And just as grains from many fields have been gathered into this one loaf, this one dish, and grapes from many vines into this one cup. May you too, O Lord, gather your church into your kingdom. May you gather us and bring us home that we may be your people. Amen. And so on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it. And he gave it to his disciples. And he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after they had their feast, he took the cup and he blessed it. And he said, this is the new covenant, the new promise, the bigger story in my blood. Do this in remembrance of me. And so whenever we eat this bread and we drink from this cup, we proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. Indeed, we proclaim the mystery of our faith, that Christians around the world speak together, that Christ has died and Christ is risen and Christ will come again. And so come. Come all you who wander. Come, all you who are in misery. Come, all you who are hungry and thirsty. Come, for dinner is ready. There are elements at all of our tables that are allergen-free. And if you would like to pray with someone during this time, uh, Brian is back by our prayer room there. He would be happy to pray with you and to pray for you. And so now come. These are the gifts of God for the people of God.